welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all of God's children all over the world. But if not, for whatever reasons, let us all work on that thing and put forth the effort, because it is of the utmost importance and truly matters for grander reasons than most of us can fathom. In reality, though, we are never lacking in those higher qualities of love, joy, and compassion, because there is enough love and light in each and every one of us to cover the entire earth with our divine illumination. For deep within all of us, is the love and light of the living God that never fails. And no matter how short mankind sometimes seems to fall when it comes to loving all of God's children, if we just stay focused on our own mighty I Am presence and acknowledge that the love, the light, and the power of the living God is already within us, we soon come to understand that those higher qualities within all of us is more than enough for ourselves with the constant overflow of their love, light, and power, able to benefit everyone else. For we are divine beings, if we but realize it, and the one brilliant flame of our individual mighty I Am presence can serve to brighten many, many dampened flames, if we share it. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life, and y'all be loved. The will is the man. The spiritual life in the subconsciousness, children of Israel and Egypt, is often prevented from expressing itself by the opposition of the will. If the understanding decides that what it conceives to be the natural law shall be the limit of expression, there is further bondage and there are harder tasks. Any hard, dictatorial, or willful state of mind will harden the heart. This state of mind acts through the solar plexus, the distributing station for building forces of the body, and thereby brings its limitations upon the whole system. Hardened arteries are the result of hard thoughts, this hardness originates in the will. Jehovah represents the law of the I am in action. The ambiguity in the term motive has caused much of the controversy that has raged over free will. The champions of free will commonly suppose that before performing an act a man is affected by various motives, none of which necessarily determines his act. Their opponents, on the other hand, argue that there is no such thing as this unmotivated choice. Some hold that free will proper consists of choice only as between higher and lower good. Some regard it as consisting in the power to do as one pleases or chooses. Others define it as the power to do or to choose as one should. According to some academic metaphysicians, the freedom of the will includes the power to act contrary to all of one's own motives or inclinations or tendencies, this power being inherent in the will. It is readily seen that this thing called motive is another name for understanding, and that it is a necessary adjunct to that faculty. But not all people use understanding as the headlight for both motive and will. The undisciplined mind feels the impulse that lies behind motive, and acts without considering either cause or effect. This is partaking of the knowledge of good and evil without heeding the voice of wisdom the sin of Adam, undeveloped man. 
Understanding may be illumined by the Christ mind, and thus receive the light that lighteth every man coming into the world. Without this light man breaks the law in nearly every act. The divorcement of understanding from will has led to endless controversies between those who have written and debated about the necessity for man's having free will and those who, because of the evils that have come upon man through ignorant willing, have advocated the utter effacement of the will. We do not need less will, we need more understanding. Jesus, spiritual light, showed Thomas, intellectual understanding, the wounds that ignorance had inflicted upon the innocent body. Jesus' apostles represented his own faculties of mind. When he called them they were ignorant and undisciplined children of the natural world. But the image and likeness of the creative mind was on them, to discipline them in the wisdom of the Christ, spiritual I am. As the executive power of the mind, human will is the negative pole of spiritual decision. Right here is where those who study man from a personal viewpoint fail in their estimate of his power and his accountability. As mortal, living in a material world, he seems circumscribed and limited in capacity and destiny. Philosophers have studied man in this cage of the mind, and their conclusions have been that he is little better than a reasoning animal. But there is a higher and truer estimate of man, and that estimate is made from what the academic school of philosophy would call the purely speculative side of existence. Failing to discern his spiritual origin, they fail in estimating his real character. As a product of the natural man, will is often a destructive force. Nearly all our systems of training children have been based on breaking the will in order to gain authority over the child and obedience from him. We should remember that the right to exercise freedom of will was given to man in the beginning, according to Genesis, and that will should always be given its original power and liberty. It is possible, however, for man so to identify his consciousness with divine mind that he is moved in every thought and act by that mind. Jesus attained this unity, when he realized that he was willing not in the personal but in the divine, he said, Not my will, but thine, be done. Many sincere Christians have tried to follow in the way of Jesus, and they have negatively submitted their will to God. But they have not attained the power or the authority of Jesus by so doing. The reason is that they have not raised their will to the positive spiritual degree. Jesus was not negative in any of his faculties, and he did not teach a doctrine of submission. He gave, to those who went forth preaching the gospel, the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. We must believe in the higher powers and be immersed in the omnipresent water of life. If we fail to exercise faith in things spiritual, we are condemned to the prison of materiality. Practice the presence of God until you open your consciousness to the inflow of the omnipresent, all-knowing mind, then affirm your unity with that mind until you know and fully realize, through the many avenues of wisdom, just what you should do. This acquirement of a knowledge of the divine will is not the work of an instant, it results from patient and persistent spiritual study, prayer, and meditation. Even Jesus, with his exalted understanding, found it necessary to pray all night. All who have found the peace and the power of God have testified to the necessity of using prayer in the soul's victory. Not my will, but thine, be done is one of the most far-reaching affirmations of Jesus, and those who follow him and keep his sayings are finding great peace and relaxation of mind and body. The Twelve Powers of Man, by Charles Fillmore, 1930「
Why should it be imagined that Asclepiades and Apollonius enjoyed exceptional powers for the discernment of the actual death? Has any modern school of medicine this knowledge to impart to its students? Let their authorities answer for them. These prodigies of Jesus and Apollonius are so well attested that they appear authentic. Whether in either or both cases life was simply suspended or not, the important fact remains that by some power, peculiar to themselves, both the wonder workers recall the seemingly dead to life in an instant. Is it because the modern physician has not yet found the secret which the theurgists evidently possess that its possibility is denied? Neglected as psychology now is, and with the strangely chaotic state in which physiology is confessed to be by its most fair students, certainly it is not very likely that our men of science will soon rediscover the lost knowledge of the ancients. In the days of old, when prophets were not treated as charlatans, nor thaumaturgists as impostors, there were colleges instituted for teaching prophecy and occult sciences in general. Samuel is recorded as the chief of such an institution at Ramah, Elisha, also, at Jericho. The schools of Hazim, prophets or seers, were celebrated throughout the country. Hillel had a regular academy, and Socrates is well known to have sent away several of his disciples to study manticism. The study of magic, or wisdom, included every branch of science, the metaphysical as well as the physical, psychology and physiology in their common and occult phases, and the study of alchemy was universal, for it was both a physical and a spiritual science. Therefore why doubt or wonder that the ancients, who studied nature under its double aspect, achieved discoveries which to our modern physicists, who study but its dead letter, are a closed book. Thus, the question at issue is not whether a dead body can be resuscitated, for, to assert that would be to assume the possibility of a miracle, which is absurd, but, to assure ourselves whether the medical authorities pretend to determine the precise moment of death. H.P. Blavatsky The Kabbalists say that death occurs at the instant when both the astral body, or life principle, and the spirit part forever with the corporeal body. The scientific physician who denies both astral body and spirit, and admits the existence of nothing more than the life principle, judges death to occur when life is apparently extinct. When the beating of the heart and the action of the lungs cease, and rigor mortis is manifested, and especially when decomposition begins, they pronounce the patient dead. But the annals of medicine teem with examples of suspended animation as the result of asphyxia by drowning, the inhalation of gases and other causes, life being restored in the case of drowning persons even after they had been apparently dead for 12 hours. In cases of somnambulic trance, none of the ordinary signs of death are lacking, breathing and the pulse are extinct, animal heat has disappeared, the muscles are rigid, the eye glazed, and the body is colorless. In the celebrated case of Colonel Townsend, he threw himself into this state in the presence of three medical men, who, after a time, were persuaded that he was really dead, and were about leaving the room, when he slowly revived. He describes his peculiar gift by saying that he could die or expire when he pleased, and yet, by an effort, or somehow he could come to life again. There occurred in Moscow, a few years since, a remarkable instance of apparent death. The wife of a wealthy merchant lay in a cataleptic state 17 days, during which the authorities made several attempts to bury her, but, as decomposition had not set in, the family averted the ceremony, and at the end of that time she was restored to life. The above instances show that the most learned men in the medical profession are unable to be certain when a person is dead. What they call suspended animation, is that state from which the patient spontaneously recovers, through an effort of his own spirit, 
which may be provoked by any one of many causes. In these cases, the astral body has not parted from the physical body, its external functions are simply suspended, the subject is in a state of torpor, and the restoration is nothing but a recovery from it. But, in the case of what physiologists would call real death, but which is not actually so, the astral body has withdrawn, perhaps local decomposition has set in. How shall the man be brought to life again? The answer is, the interior body must be forced back into the exterior one, and vitality reawakened in the latter. The clock has run down, it must be wound. If death is absolute, if the organs have not only ceased to act, but have lost the susceptibility of renewed action, then the whole universe would have to be thrown into chaos to resuscitate the corpse, a miracle would be demanded. But, as we said before, the man is not dead when he is cold, stiff, pulseless, breathless, and even showing signs of decomposition, he is not dead when buried, nor afterward, until a certain point is reached. That point is when the vital organs have become so decomposed, that if reanimated, they could not perform their customary functions, when the mainspring and cogs of the machine, so to speak, are so eaten away by rust, that they would snap upon the turning of the key. Until that point is reached, the astral body may be caused, without miracle, to re-enter its former tabernacle, either by an effort of its own will, or under the resistless impulse of the will of one who knows the potencies of nature, how to direct them. The spark is not extinguished, but only latent, latent as the fire in the flint, or the heat in the cold iron. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 Beloved of my heart, I trust tonight we may be of service to you and bring again into your life streams the strengthening power of the cosmic light, and intensifying activities of the sacred fire that will enable you to feel your mastery over conditions in this world more quickly. Before you start anything, and many times in the day when you just have an instant where you do not have to keep your attention on something in the outer that you are doing, train the outer intellectual consciousness to turn your attention many times a day, for just a moment, to your beloved I am presence, and ask it to fill you with its own heart's flame, and what it knows you need to know from moment to moment to exert your mastery over conditions of the outer world. When you call to us to fill you with what we know you must have in order to exert your mastery over any wrong conditions, do not fail to keep calling forth our Elohim fiery Christ blue lightning illumining truth, illumining wisdom, illumining power and illumining victory and strength of the light within yourselves. Keep calling forth our Elohim fiery Christ strength of the light in you that makes you strong enough to do that which we know you are going to have to do in the outer, either to render your service or hold protection. When you fill yourselves with the seven might Elohim's fiery Christ strength of the light, and the illumining truth, the illumining consciousness that we know you are going to need to master any condition in the outer that is wrong, and to make you victorious over the wrong in the outer world, then we can flood in and around you in a moment, if you have made this call, just like we dropped a sun presence around you, and the intensifying love of our heart's flame fills and surrounds you within that, a more intensifying presence of the golden flame. This brings illumination to the brain structure. It brings the illumining consciousness of the seven mighty Elohim into the control of your attention, and to hold the balance, the reason and full control of your emotional world, your feeling world, so you do not take on or swing into the pressure of the discordant feeling of other people. Beloved Elohim Cassiopeia Now, 
As you go forward from day to day in your service to the outer world, try to train yourselves not to dash into a thing until you have had just a moment, just an instant, of turning your attention to your beloved I am presence, and the call to us to fill you with our Elohim strength of the light that makes you our victory over evil out here. Then we can charge into the mind ideas in a moment, that you might need to use the next moment in outer world conditions in order to hold protection around yourselves, or to enable constructive activity to be brought forth in the midst, sometimes, of chaos. Keep charging yourselves with your beloved mighty I am presence, and the seven mighty Elohim's fiery Christ wisdom, fiery Christ truth, fiery Christ illumination, and the fiery Christ knowledge of the seven mighty Elohim, knowledge that we have, and which we can give you, and show you how to overcome conditions in the outer world that otherwise you feel perfectly helpless before. Now, this is powerful protecting activity within your emotional body, because if you have made this call and then you hold still just a moment, we can pour our sacred fire within you, and while it flows within you, we can also pour it around you to govern conditions in a moment that you do not know the next moment might occur. Now, this has a protective power for your automobiles, anywhere you travel, and in any condition in which you associate with other people who, sometimes, act quite quickly or impulsively in outer world activities. Charge yourselves with our seven mighty Elohim fiery Christ wisdom and fiery Christ all-knowing mind that knows ahead of time what we know you are going to experience, because we see into the outer. We know the forces that are acting. We know what they intend, and we know how vicious they are, when sometimes you don't. And then, beloved ones, fill yourselves with the Ascended Master's fiery Christ mind that will not let you deceive yourself. Many times people think they are doing something from one motive, and another motive in the feeling is acting completely to get its own way. This is why I bring this to your attention tonight. We see things. We know what is acting. We know what is in the atmosphere of Earth. We know many things that it is well if you don't know them. This will make you master over circumstance. It is well worth every effort you will make to take the time to call to your beloved I am presence and to us, to fill you with our illumining wisdom, and our fiery Christ alertness that brings illumination ahead of time as to what you are going to need in any situation to prevent what is wrong, and give that which is constructive an opportunity to hold the victory of what is right. This is a powerful activity of the wisdom of your own mighty I am presence and the ascended host, and this is why there is the sevenfold flame of the seven mighty Elohim within your brain structure, because there must come a continual pouring from the Ascended Master's octave into your own mind, of the greater perfection, and the greater mental activities of the universe that design more and more perfection to come into the physical world to fulfill the divine plan. Beloved Elohim Cassiopeia,